we haven't been together uh, for quite a while. It's good to see everybody, and you're, you're certainly welcome. We even have a road to get you here and a bridge that uh, <laughs> is stable. Uh, the, these times, I, I was on the phone with uh, Irene Conrad, who is probably the, the most uh, uh, clear and uh, effective prophet that's been with us. And she's, she's very ill, and she, they told me that uh, she was, and her, she said, my kidneys are failing, and my breath is, uh, is coming hard. But she said this, and, and, and anyone that, that knows the lady, she's very genteel, she's uh, very soft, and, but she, she came out with this, and it wasn't so soft. She says, you know, I would be very stupid if I didn't know these are my last hours. And I thought, dear God, uh, she's there and contemplating that. And I said, well, we're certainly going to pray for you, uh, Irene, and we have. But all of us, uh, you know, none of us know when, when this uh, parenthetical time of testing and getting acquainted with the, the Christ that we've become by the goodness of God. And, and we don't know the end of it. And, uh, but it's good to be together and celebrate the reality and the fact that we're in this course together and we have a Father who will not let us go. We've been born to a dominion that is forever and cognitively that's hard to get down hard to swallow sometimes when you look out at the everything that's been created and the multitudes of people in the variety of generations but we who have been born into christ have a wonderful opportunity and a, a test that we don't know anything about and uh, i promised our sister i said uh, because, you know, when, when you talk to a soft woman, and she's very, she's not loud, she's always kind, but she said, I would be, she was very strong. Uh, and I, I like to fight. Uh, and, and I think God knows that when he chose you, that you would be a continuing one who didn't know the next step. But nevertheless, she would offer and do it. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your, your great mercy in which you have shown your love to us and your keeping power that has been evident. Uh, and so uh, these uh, few days we have together, we ask you to impact them with yourself and give us... Uh, a capacity to see in a greater measure the, the evidence that it's your work and not ours. For Jesus' sake, we ask this. And everybody said, yeah. Yeah.
Great to have Brother Bobby and Sister Kathy here, isn't it? Yeah. Wherever you want to go. Barry Margraf even snuck in over there. It's good to have him here. Last time I saw him playing trumpet and praise, I think I was about 20 years old, which was longer ago than I want to admit. It is great to be together. It's, it's uh, Brother Gerald was reminding me he hasn't been in a praise service in a couple of years, and I thought we've been a little bit more blessed than I realized. Uh, we stopped for a, you know, a few weeks and thought we might perish, but it is, it's special to be together, and uh, it's a privilege to uh, gather in the presence of the Lord. Let's sing He Has Done Great Things. He has done great things, He has done great things, He has done great things, bless His holy name, for He has done Declare 
looked over at Brother Bobby and I said, well, you're ready. And he said, no. And I said, just like that. He said, just like that. And so this was the last place I wanted to be this evening. And, but having said that, I am happy to be here with you all. And uh, in this time of God's dealing in all of our lives and uh, at a time when after 40 some years in this move, which means nothing as far as seniority is concerned, uh, but the time that God has taken to let me hit the wall and be on my face in the mud enough times to where if he does do something good through me that I'm probably less impressed with myself than I've ever been. And I think that many of us can say that tonight, that, that we've been around long enough that we know, we know ourselves apart from him and, and we know the dependency that we have tonight. And, I, and yet at the same time, the immense eternal purpose of God that has been over our lives uh, even before we ever knew it that we were caught up in a purpose that was beyond us. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that tonight with the help of the Lord. And, and, and again, I, it won't be anything new. This is a people that are versed in Scripture. And so if, uh, if I say something that you've heard before, I can promise you this, it won't hurt you. Uh, but we all know, I, I want to start over in Ephesians chapter 3 for just a second as a launching point. And, and if you'll permit me, I... I've been musing on some of this stuff, and it's just, it's just been blowing my mind, actually. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 11. Well, we can start in verse 10 where he says, To the intent that now, under principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And I, I think some of, the, some of the scriptures that we've read, and I've said this before, have become so familiar that they've lost their impact. That God's, God's purpose, uh, it, it, and it says it in another place, that, that angels actually desire to look into some of the things that are being spoken to us and through us as the church. And that by the church, the, manif the manifold, complicated wisdom of God is going to be made known by principalities and powers, angelic orders that God has chosen us and, 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 and whatever time that, that has been necessary uh, in our personal life to get us less impressed with ourselves and more impressed with the God who, is, who has carried us and is carrying us and that when we do hit the wall or when we do find ourselves uh, on our face in the mud that that hand reaches down and picks us back up and gets us going on, on our way. And I love this song that Brother Seth wrote. He can show His grace to anyone. And, and if we were to take the time tonight to, to interview everyone in this room, the testimony of the grace of God that has pulled you and I out of some of the places that we'd be ashamed to speak about tonight. The grace of God that is still over your life, that is still carrying you. according to the eternal purpose 
which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a purpose that God... And, and, and the, the key word there is eternal. Uh, it, which, which has the meaning, the connotation that, that, that always was and always will be. And so, if, if you'll permit me to muse here a little bit and, and go as far as my finite mind can, can go... Go with me for a second and let's go back before, before the beginning when there was only just God. When there was nothing else but God. And when I say God, I'm talking about the triune God, the Father and the Son. If you need to read about it, you can go to Proverbs chapter 8 and you can see some of the discourse that was actually going on there inside of the Godhead. I was with Him before the mountains were brought forth. I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him, rejoicing in the habitable parts of the earth. And my delights, the sun said, were with the sons of men. Before time, there was God, the all-sufficient one. God didn't create because He had a need. He was self-sufficient. The love and the fellowship and the enjoyment of the triune Godhead, I I can't... It, it goes beyond, I've said this before, and it's, it's, it's a way above my pay grade. The relationship and the fellowship that was going on between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It beggars description. It's beyond comprehension. And yet it was God's eternal purpose, even though He didn't need anything. It was His according to the good pleasure of His will, to propagate that kind of relationship, to include others like you and me into that relationship. And that's what you're all about tonight. That's why you're here, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why you've been carried by the grace of God through many dangerous toils and snares. And you read about, you know, you go down through the Genesis account and... And this day he did this and he did that and until he comes to the sixth day in, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and the, the triune God let us make man in our image and after our likeness. But the amazing thing about it, ladies and gentlemen, is that even though it wasn't until the sixth day that that, that was actually spoken out, it was something that was in the heart and in the mind and was actually finished before the foundation of anything, before anything was put in place. God was going to bring forth after His kind, in His image, and after His likeness. And we, we know the Scriptures but, but again, I think familiarity just kind of, we get a callus on, on the ears of our heart. And, and God help us today uh, to, to, to remove that callus, Lord, to where we are impacted by the weight of what your word is saying to us. That you are chosen in Christ. What, what does that mean? It means that God picked you. God, ladies and gentlemen, God picked you, called you by name. And not only that, he wrote your name down. In, in, in the Lamb's book of life, from the foundation of the world, not only did He call you as He called you by name. He knows you. His plan and His purpose. I think about when I was a kid, I was a misfit. Probably you don't hardly believe that. I didn't fit in anywhere. 
And when it came to being picked on sports teams and, and whatever, I got picked last. Maybe you got picked first. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. But the, the idea is that God picked you. Chosen. Called by name. Somebody said, well, do you believe in pre-existence? I don't believe in the pre-existence of your natural man. But I want to tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, you carry a divine deposit of eternal life inside of you that was with the Father before the world began. And as it says over in the book of Job, Job, where were you when the morning stars were singing and the suns were shouting for joy? Yeah, I, I don't believe in the pre-existence of your Adamic life, but I would submit to you tonight that you were actually in Christ before you were ever in Adam. Think about it. And, and, and I've got a bunch of them here that'll straighten out any of my false doctrine when I get done. Chosen. God picked you. God called you by name. Well, let's, let's take a look at this a little deeper because that's pretty, pretty heady stuff. First Corinthians chapter one. Uh, I'm not really sure where that's at. Let's see. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Let, let me tell you something. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, I would rather glory in my weakness that the power of Christ might rest upon me. You might say, God, I have tried to overcome this certain whatever it is. There seems to be some sort of a predisposition here in me that I can't seem to get over. God has chosen you because of that, because He is the difference maker in your life and in mine today. If you could do it on your own, there'd be no need for Him. He's chosen you because of your need. He's chosen you because of your insufficiency in yourself so that He might be glorified. And the base things of the world, things which are despised, has God chosen. Could I even go on to say chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? The foolish, the weak, the base. The things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. That are. He calleth those things what? what? That are. He calls the are-nots. You could say we are the are-nots. And he is the I am. Somebody said, I don't know what that means. That, he, said, he said, his name was I am. Well, you know, you have to sometimes find out what something means by the antitype of it, and that means that I'm not. Amen. That no flesh should glory in his presence. The hour of impressive preaching, the hour of seeking position, the hour of uh, my whole, my whole uh, 
heart tonight is that maybe there's something that you could see in me that, that you could identify with that would be somewhat of an encouragement to you to be able to take the next step. I'm not interested in pressing you with preaching abilities or, uh, because there's not a lot of that there. But I want to share my heart. I want to be an instrument that he can play a song that will witness to your ears. But it's of him. This is God's choosing. There are so many voices every day telling you and I that we're nothing, that we'll never make it, that you're this or you're that. You were born subject to weakness, subject to vanity. I don't know. Every one of us has a particular form of vanity. Have you noticed that? I don't know what yours is, but it's built in and it's there to drive you to the one that can get you out of it. There's only one that can get you and I out of it. And regardless, there's no body here that was born of a woman that is not subject to vanity in some form or fashion. But that would have been a real good place to say amen. But it's of him that you're in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us everything that you're not. Wisdom, sanctification, excuse me, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Hallelujah. So, God was thinking about you by name before he did anything. Can we think about that a second? That in the eternal purpose of God, it was about a people, a people that God was inviting, that he was going to bring into the kind of relationship that was being experienced inside the Godhead, the kind of union that was going on. Psalms 40, I love this. I uh, was sharing a word to the Lima, Peru convention. And I told him, I said, can I just say this to you tonight, that God is not mad at you. You might say, well, Brother Joseph, you don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and, and I failed. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he said, he shall see the, the, the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God is satisfied. And so therefore, even though God does have discipline in our lives, has anybody ever experienced any of that? And even though the spirit of God brings conviction, God is not mad at you. There's an interesting thing, and I won't take the time uh, to, to read you the scripture, but it's over in Exodus chapter 26, and it talks about the, uh, the covering of the tabernacle over the holy place and the holiest of all. And you're probably like me, having been in this thing so long, I heard so many words, brother, on the tabernacle that I said, if I ever hear another word on the tabernacle, I'm going to scream. <laughs> but I, I saw something recently where it was, it was a three-layered covering. And 
you know, I, I'm kind of simple, so it said it had 50 loops and all the, all the, the certain measurements, and there were 50 loops, around, and they were joined together by thatches of gold and, and, and all this. And, and, uh, and I thought, well, you know, this has really been a, quite a loopy people. <laughs> and the only thing that's kept us together has been the Spirit of God. So that's what I got out of it. I mean, I'm sure there's something deeper, you know, but that spoke to me. But it was interesting because the first layer was curtains of goat's hair. And, and, and it says concerning the Shulamite that thy hair is like a flock of goats. Your hair, the anointing that's there. And the first covering that you and I have is the protection that we have in one another. The covering that we have in the corporate accountability to be there for one another. That if we get off track... We're there for each other. And the next covering was, was the ramskin. And this really spoke to me. The ramskin. And maybe, I, maybe Brother uh, John Jeffries preached about it and talked about it, but I forgot about it. Yeah. And the Spirit of God reached in there and said, look at this. The next one was the curtains were made out of ramskins dyed red. And what they would do, there was a grub worm called a crimson worm that they would take and smash. And they would use that crimson worm to dye uh, clothing. And they used the crimson worm to dye the ramskins so that they would be red. And it's interesting because over in Psalms, I think it's 22, Jesus, you can hear the Spirit of the Son saying, I am a worm and no man. It's the same word that's found over in Isaiah that says, though your sins be like crimson, they shall be white as snow. It's the same word, the worm, the maggot. That when it's crushed. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, that your entire journey, when you come into God, your entire journey, all the way to your destiny, is covered by the blood. So at any point, if you happen to get off track and you repent, it's covered. There's no reason for you and I to continue in separation from God because your journey's covered. It's been preordained. God covered the whole thing. Before, you, before there was ever any sins committed, He provided a provision in a lamb that was slain before Adam yielded the first time to the serpent. It was covered. And your journey is covered. There's enough in the sacrifice of Jesus. By one offering, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. There's not another offering coming. It's sufficient to get you and I all the way home through every failure, through every test, through every falling down and every getting up again to bring you all the way home. Because there's a life of God inside of you and I that is growing. And he that is born of God does something. He overcomes. And the more you and I grow, you're growing up out of sin. Because he that is born of God sinneth not. It's a growth process. So don't get discouraged with yourself. Keep on walking. Keep on pressing on. There's a covering over you. And the last covering was of badger skins. And some theologians said that they were made out of seals, hides. I don't know. But it was waterproof. It was, it was stormproof. The covering that you have over you. How many in here have been through some storms in your life tonight? 
Yes, I want you to know there's a covering. There's an all-weather covering over you that no matter what kind of storm that you're going through, you're covered. you got a corporate covering of goat's hair over you, over you. The Shulamite accountability, the corporate witness, the safety in a multitude is there covering you. You're covered by the ram skins, the, the blood of the lamb over your entire journey, and you're covered with an all-weather covering that no matter what you go through, the contents of the tabernacle cannot be hurt by it. So God's not mad at you tonight. Somebody said, well, I wonder, and I thought that, I thought, I thought, God, what are you thinking about me? What do you think of me? I just got to tell you, I mean, I, can I be honest with you? I mean, is that okay? You guys promise you won't not like me because of it. Well, I was, I was a rape baby. A lot of insecurities. I had a relationship with a stepdad that was less than stellar, I'll just say that. Not his fault, he did the best he could. Was in Boys Town for two years at 12 years old, came back out of there on drugs and Never knew the security and the love of a father till I came into Christ. And you've heard me say that before. And the reason that I'm here tonight is about the relationship. I, I, he cares about me and he's never done me wrong. He's disciplined me. He's convicted me. He took me. I mean, I, when I look at my life, I, the misfit that I was, the insecurity, the chip that I had on my shoulder growing up seemed to all fall off when I came into him. And the years that I had on that farm there in Alton and that old lady that I hated when I first met her and her son, I saw the love of the father through her. And I began to get, listen, you need to be secure in the love of your father tonight. There is security in Christ. You need to know that. You're not hanging on by the skin of your teeth. You're being carried by a dad that loves you and that, that knew you before you knew him and has watched over you with tenderness and care. But what does he think about us tonight? Let's, let's just take a look over in Psalms 40. Would that be okay? Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which thou hast done, in verse 5, and your thoughts, which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered before the foundation of the world. You were on his mind. And folks, that's scriptural. And that's solid. He knows you by name. He's called you, not because of your wonderful personality, but because of your need of Him. He will be to you all that you need. He is the God. He is your courage. He is your, 
He is your backbone. He is everything that you need tonight. He is your righteousness. Religion makes you... What mountain are you worshiping at tonight? There's two mountains you can worship at. You can worship at the mountain of religion where God is mad at everybody and if you touch the mountain, you're thrust through. Or you can come to the mountain, Mount Zion, where you are come. Innumerable company of angels. The blood of sprinkling, the spirits of just men made perfect to the church of the firstborn. And all that list that's there in Hebrews 12. That's, we, that's the mountain we're come to tonight. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of sprinkling that keeps me clean. Oh, folks, it's good to be clean, isn't it? If you're not clean tonight, there's no reason for you to continue in defilement. There's a fountain open tonight. And there's no shame in coming because we've all, at one time or another, in varying degrees, have been defiled. Jeremiah 29. And again, I'm not reading things that you haven't heard, but I want to remind you of how he feels about you tonight. Because your approach to God has to be one with confidence. You're only made partakers of Christ. The only thing that would separate you would be your unbelief. You're made partakers of Christ if you hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end. What confidence? In who? Well, surely not in us. He that began, a, I'm, Paul said it this way, I'm confident of this very thing, that he that started it, he that began a good work in me, he's going to be the same one that's going to bring me all the way home. He didn't start something that he can't finish. And tonight I want it finished, don't you? And he says this, no worries, I finished it. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. And there is a rest for the people of God. And he that believeth enters into that rest. The religious striving, the wondering, he loves me, he loves me not. Jeremiah 29. This is God talking. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end, I'm going to bring you to your destination that I predetermined for you. Your predestiny, foreordained, set in order before. I love, uh, go, go with me to Psalms 139. I don't want to be too long, but I just. Psalms 139, verse 16, and if you'll permit me, I'll read this in the Amplified. Uh, in verse 16, for your eyes 
saw my unformed substance. Listen to this. And in your book, not only were your names written in his book, before one star was put in place, before God created one grain of sand, before God did anything, he chose a people. There were a people that were actually given to the Son. In your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. Your story, ladies and gentlemen, and this is a mind blower to me, has already been told, and God has recorded it in whatever His book is, your names, and every day of your life before there ever was one of them, God, it's been mapped out. And if you'll just hang on to Him in faith and continue to yield and continue to stay Uh, dependent upon Him, He's going to carry you and I all the way to the fulfillment of His eternal purpose. How precious and weighty. Wow. Precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more than the sand of the sea. When I awoke, could I count to the end? I would still be with you. Can I submit to you that it's not based on how you feel? You cannot let your feelings be a gauge of where you are with God. They will lie to you. They are fickle. You have to, your faith has to be based on divine fact and feelings are shifting sand. Romans chapter 8, this is so familiar that it's, it's almost, you almost hate to go there because we've read it so many times. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I used to be afraid to preach on some of these scriptures because it sounded like I believed maybe I was secure. And we know this, that all things, How many things? things. Whatever it is you're going through. Your day has already been written. You You can rest in that knowing that your story has already been told. And he holds the book. Work together for good to them that love God, whom, whom having not seen you love, the scripture says. We used to be afraid to say, I love God. Oh, we're growing in it. It's like, well, and we've, we have heard this, well, as God's not interested, it's not about how much He loves you, it's about how much you love Him. Well, wait a minute. Isn't He the one that is love? And what kind of capacity do you and I have to love without Him? We love Him because He was, he was preemptive and He first loved us. And, and, and the love of God came into us. And, and now an ability and a capacity was there for us to begin to grow in that fruit of His character, in partaking of the divine nature. We can now love Him back. He was never expecting you to love Him back. He knows you and I were incapable of doing it. He, 
He knows we're not even capable of loving one another. But when you and I continue to stay connected to Him in a faith walk, that means when you fall down, you get up and you just keep walking and walking and walking. As you continue in that, you begin. He said, listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I'm talking about the fruit of love. That, that we're living in a time when the, the nature of God is going to be released from on the inside. And Brother Sam, we were talking, kidding around the table. And I, I remember him saying, my God, it's going to get so good on these end time farms. The love is going to be so wonderful. We're going to just wish somebody get out of the spirit so we could remember how it was. <laughs> Not quite there yet. We get little reminders every now and again, would you say? <laughs> but we're growing. Saints, you're growing. And the worse that you get, the more you grow, the worse you look to yourself. And the less impressed you are with yourself. When it shows up, when it manifests, you'll know it. Because God's going to take a people who are so not impressed with themselves and is going to turn it all over to them because they're not going to get a big head about it. You can trust them with all that He is. For whom He didn't foreknow, knew before, he also did predestinate, predetermined, mapped out, wrote it in a book to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many. God is reproducing his son in a, in a people that are so needy and broken. God so loved the world that he gave his son. God so loved the son that he's going to fill the face of his universe with others just like him so that everywhere the father looks, he sees his son. Everywhere. That's your destiny. That is your inheritance. That is your privilege. The next time Satan tells you everything that you're not, you just remind him. I'm on my way to become to being just like him. I have a destiny. That's been determined by the highest that in every aspect, in every way, in every manner, in his gentleness, in his kindness, and not all the, yeah, all the powerful stuff and all that stuff, but just in the character and the beauty of who he is as a person. That's who you are. That's your destiny. Coming to be glorified in his saints. To be admired in you. All that he is. To be admired. God so loves the son that he would do that. And you know all the rest of it. All the way to glorify. All, and all the things that he did there, uh, those that he did predestinate them, he also called, whom he called, he justified, he justified, he glorified, all past tense because the works were finished when? 
And right now they're finished in eternity. And in this dimension called time, that which is already finished is being put on display and being walked out before principalities and powers and they're seeing it take place step by step. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Man, I hear accusations all day long. How about you? God's saying, who can... Don't you understand? I spared not my own son. Who's going to, be lay, who's going to lay anything to your charge that's going to stick? Stay with me. If God is for us. Who can be against us? Who can lay... It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? See, God, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. But folks, if, if conviction has come... Or, or, or what you think is conviction, and you respond to it properly, and you repent, and you do everything you know to get it right, and you still feel guilty afterwards, that's no longer conviction. That's condemnation. And go back to the Scripture and say, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also praying for us. Who shall separate us? Now we're getting into where I was used to be afraid to preach. Oh, you don't think you can be separated? Well, let me just say it this way. I'm being tremendously kept. Yeah. You got God on your side, friends. There's nothing bigger. And there's nothing can separate you. Jesus said, no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. And he goes on through the long list, and you know it. I'm not going to take up your time. Read it, though. Muse on it. Walk through it slowly. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 8. Because again, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what God is doing in our lives and, and the privilege that we had, that we have. Chapter 8 and verse 18, he says, this is the son talking. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me. We could read the rest of it. It's for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. But, 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 but the real uh, crux of the statement here is that there are a people that were given by the Father to the Son. There were a people that were chosen in Him. There were people that were elected. That word elect means chosen. And it's, it's funny about the elect. If you, it, can I just take the time to go to Romans chapter 9? I think I want to go to verse 10. And, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on any sensitivities or 
my, my hope is that this is encouragement to you tonight. Uh, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, I'm talking about the eternal purpose tonight, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Before either one were born, before either one had done good or evil, the purpose of God, ladies and gentlemen, is according to election. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he, he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He can show His grace to anyone. It's His call. I don't understand it. I don't pretend to, but I'm just going to go ahead and benefit from it. I don't have to understand it. I just need to yield and lean in. So then, listen to this. Well, you know, you got to get your will whipped into shape here. Well, good luck with that. You know, I've been ministering in it, and then Brother John, went, I, he may be going to talk about this. You can talk about that? About the will? I have no idea. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and say it, because I've already been saying it too. But Jesus is our example. And he was met, wrestling with his will the last hours of his life. This is a manifested son ministry, and at the end of it, he was praying, Father, if there's any way... Any other way, let this cup pass for me. And then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Well, and then an angel appeared to him, the scripture says, strengthening him. And you know what it says? It says he prayed more earnestly. Well, what am I supposed to get from that? Was he not praying earnestly prior to that? Was, did he need help? Did he need help? Is he not our example? Did he, you see, he was here as a man. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He came here. The, the wonder of it all, the incarnation, is that God actually uh, became a man and a new kind of creature came into being. And when he went back to the Father, he didn't just take divinity, he took the flesh and blood that he got from Mary, he took it all the way into resurrection. He took it all the way into glorification so that by man came death and by man came also the resurrection from the dead. And he created, he was the first born among many, the beginning of an entire new kind of humanity. God men, men and women redeemed by the blood of the lamb and partakers of the divine nature. So then it is not of him that willeth or of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Tonight, folks, the reason that I stand here is not because I whipped my will into shape or that I prayed so much or that I read my Bible so much. I'm not advocating that you don't pray. Or read your Bible. 
But I am warning you against thinking that you can pray and read your Bible to get you somewhere instead of already having something going on inside of you and you want to pray and read your Bible because of relationship. Not praying to get something, but praying because you have something. You've been given something. I used to read in Galatians about casting out the bondwoman and her son, and I'd think about that's my fleshly uh, predispositions that I have that we're all subject to, the lusts and the jealousies and the pride and all that. Folks, it's talking about religion. The bondwoman was a picture of Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children that are worshiping at the wrong mountain. It's talking about trying to get through God get to God through religion. I'm going to start moving in for a close here. John chapter 17. One of the most beautiful prayers and you can see the heart. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'd like to there, I've got like two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight times that a certain statement is said. And, and I'll, I'll start in verse one, I guess. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy, thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Listen, folks, if you don't get anything out of this chapter, realize that there are a people that have been given to Jesus by the Father. And I'm just going to be courageous enough, I guess, to say that I think I'm one of them. I'm going to claim that. I can't claim it for you. But I would, say, I would, I would <coughs> beseech you, claim it for yourself. Make it yours. John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He wasn't the only disciple that Jesus loved, but John was bold enough to claim it for himself. And he was bold enough to find a place on the chest of the master and lay his head there on the breast of that high priest where all the names, every one of those children that have been given by the Father are written in that high priest's breast, breastplate. Your name is there. Will you take your place on his chest tonight? Will you claim that as your own? I've been given by the Father to Jesus. We talked about that before, the law of entanglement that I know very little about. But when one particle, whatever happens, it affects those that are related. Regardless of space and time, I get that. And then uh, look at it again down in verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name unto the men that you gave me out of the world. Thine they were, but you gave them to me, and they have kept thy word. Look at verse 9. I pray for them. Listen to this. I don't pray for the world. And right now, the whole eternal purpose of God is, is, is uh, based on a people coming all the way in first. 
He's not praying for the world at this time. He's praying for those the Father has given him, for they are thine, he says. He's praying for you. The world's going to come later. But these that were chosen, these that were called, these that were given by the Father to Jesus have to come in first. Jesus says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world right now, Father. Verse 10, and, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 11, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through your own name those that you have given me. That what? That they may be one, that they may know the oneness, that they may know the relationship that we had in the beginning before the world was, that they may come into that union that was only experienced inside of the Godhead. That kind of level of relationship that was there. Do you see what your destiny is tonight? That they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast given me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. In verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. I'm not talking about geographics here. We're talking about level of life, level of character, level of nature. That they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Oh, verse 23, I have to read that. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And now listen to this. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And listen. And hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You think he loves Jesus tonight? Do you think the Father loves Jesus? The prayer is, Father, that you would love them. In the same way that you love me. They may be with me where I am. Revelation chapter 14. Again, so familiar. We've read it 10,000 times. But this is your story, friends. This is your destiny. And this is the fulfillment of the prayer of John 17. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion and with him. They may be with me where I am. And with him, 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song. And that word new is, is the Greek word kainos. And, and, and uh, it's in all kinds of places. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, every place it's talking about new. Behold, I make all things new in Revelation chapter 21. It, it, this is what it means. Of a new kind. 
unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. If any man is in Christ, he's a new kind of unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of before, new kind of humanity, new kind of creature. And these these that the Father has given him, the destiny is to be with him on Mount Zion in that place with him and with the Father, having the Father's name completely in your forehead, singing a song that no man can learn. But the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth, these are they which were not defiled with women for their virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb Whithersoever he goeth, these were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. And then it goes on, and we've kind of separated verse 6 from this whole train of thought, but it's the same. And I believe that what you see in verse 6 are these, this company going forth. And I saw another angel. And the word angel there is not, like Brother Joe used to say, wing flapper. It's talking about a human. It's talking about a pastor. It's talking about a messenger with a message. These are going forth and they're singing a new song. They're flying in in another realm. They're living in the heavenlies, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that are on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God, stand in awe of Him, worship Him. And give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the fountains and the sea and the fountains of waters. I want to tell you something. When God gets done with what he's doing and working this thing completely out on the stage of time, that which he's already finished in eternity, he's going to send forth a people singing a new song, singing the everlasting gospel. That's never been heard in the earth before. Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do also and greater works because I go to the Father. I should close two more scriptures. Micah chapter 5. Micah. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarries not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. These that are going forth, singing a new song, in which the new creation, the new kind of humanity, the beginning of the creation of God, Christ the first fruits, shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord and as showers upon the grass that tarries not for man nor waits for the sons of men. And, and uh, I think it's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, verse 2 gives context to that. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb. 
and as the showers upon the grass, those that were nothing, those that were weak, those that were base, the Father is taken by the hand and led to the front of the class. They have a song to share. They're going to be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord, as a showers upon the grass. For the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. My last scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 33. Verse 27. Remember this as you go from here tonight. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say destroy them. Israel shall dwell alone in safety. The fountain of Jacob shall uh, be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel. And who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord? The shield of your help. And who is the sword of your excellency? And all your enemies shall be found to be liars unto thee. And you, you that were tread upon, you that were nothing, are now something in him shall tread upon their high places. Amen. Thank you very much.